Hello and welcome to the Every Nation Twane Moikluf podcast. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message with us. Good morning, everybody. Can do better than that. Good morning. Right. We're busy with all the youth. God bless you. You're going to have some good time. I think you're continuing also with the same sermon series, speaking about God the Father. And um, those of you visiting us, welcome. Hope this morning will mean something to you. We're busy with our God series where we're speaking about God. And the first week, Ron did a great job speaking about the great I Am. And, um, you know, people ask, what is God's name? Now, there's so many names of God, and they are true names of God. But the reality is, God himself said to Moses, tell the people my name is I Am, which is important for us to understand. Because I Am, you and I cannot define that. We cannot limit that. We cannot box that. It leaves open space in our hearts that we allow God to be God. How many Christians like some names of God and define God by those names, and when God appears in another way, they don't see him? It's important that we embrace God for who he is. We don't define him. He's self-defined. We don't describe him. He's already, we ascribe to him. And so then Christian spoke about the Trinity of God last week, and the powerful thing of understanding how the Trinity works together and how that affects our relationships. If you look at the Trinity of God, you look at God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and you see how they relate with one another, the perfect unity. There's no envy, there's no competition, there's no comparison. When you compare, you compete. When you compete, you're incomplete. Whenever people compare, competition starts. You see, when there's competition, that's when we start to go into a, a kind of a dysfunction in our lives, when we start to compare ourselves with others. You see, you don't find that in the Trinity. There's no comparison. There's complete unity, complete love that is actually the symbol of relationship in all religions. Think about Islam. Allah is one and Allah needs human beings to function. The Trinity needs no human being to function. It's been functioning for eternity without human beings. See, why did God create human beings? Because he's a relational God. He wants to relate. But more than that, whatever is perfect in heaven, he wants us to experience that. And he actually, as a gracious, generous God, invites us into those relationships that we ourselves can relate. That's why it's important that you and I understand who God is. That is why it's important you and I relate with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and we are worshiping and aligning ourselves with God. Because without God, how will you know how to relate? You can't just find that on the earth. Because you'll find a little bit good here, and then you'll find bad. You'll find in every human being relationship, human relationship, there is this vulnerabilities, there's limitations, there's weaknesses. But when we look into God, and the more you and I daily look into God, it's not just reading our Bible, but it's actually walking in a relationship with God. Things start to unfold. Things start to, and we see what is perfect, and then it allows us to change. 
Now this morning, I'm going to focus on specifically God the Father, and the next two weeks, we will speak about God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. See, when you think about Father, what are some of the first thoughts that comes to mind? For some of us, those could be bad memories. It could be painful memories. could be loneliness. Some of us, it's good relationships. I thank God my dad passed away last year. And if I think about my dad, there's so many good memories of my dad. And I know we all want to fill those memories. There are moments where I know where my dad made mistakes. There's moments that I can look back and say, I wish my dad did this or I wish my dad was there. But there are so many good, fond memories I have. One of the greatest memories is I had a dad who loved my mom. That's the best thing you can do for your children is love your wife. There's something about a present dad in the home. I'm going to give you some statistics today just of South Africa. And we understand one of those feelings, feelings of anger, fear. Was there abuse? Was there physically absence, passivity? Apathy. Or did you have a present dad? One thing I do guarantee you, none of you had a perfect dad. And you're not perfect. And every dad, we know that no dad is perfect. I'm perfect. I make perfect mistakes. I do them well. There's no dad on the face of the earth that is perfect. There's no leader on the face of the earth that's perfect. There's no church on the face of the earth that's perfect. You see, all of this is important for us to understand because human beings strive to perfection. They want to be the best of the world. Yes, the Springboks won, but I guarantee you, they will not stay on top of the world forever. You see, and in all of that, what we want, we want to re- relate with something that is perfect because inside of us is something that is called holiness. We strive to towards perfection. We know what a perfect diamond looks like. We want to build something perfect. But in us as human beings, there is a missing link. And that's called the absence of God that makes us imperfect. See, religion is not a gap filler to fill your Sunday mornings with an hour of satisfying your conscience. True Christianity is the essence of your being understanding why you exist and how things start to come together and how you start to relate. And without that, you, we will always be dysfunctional in need of something bigger, which is God himself. You think about fathering, look at the state of our nation and we can go left and right and you know, kind of point to all kinds of dysfunctions and things happening. But here's the reality of South Africa. 41% of children live with men who are not their biological father, 41%. 33% live with both parents. 4% live with a father, but no mother. But 42% lives with a mother without a father. And 21% live without their parents. Doesn't mean they all, they passed away, their stats just show the parents are not present with them. lives with mother without a father of our nation. Fatherless generation. What is the danger of being fatherless? What happens with fatherless? Malachi 4 verse 6 tells us clearly that God wants to return the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers or else 
I will come and strike the land with a curse. Once you understand the context of the scripture, and we're going to dive into the main scripture, it's going to be Ephesians 3. But this scripture lays a foundation. When there is fatherlessness, there is inevitably a major, major dysfunction in society. A lot of things we want to equate to something is actually the presence of fatherlessness. There's a blessing that comes upon a family when there's a presence of father. There's a blessing that comes upon a nation, upon a city, upon a community when God's order is restored. I read through an article yesterday that talking about stats and what's happening in our nation. All of it was great. The only sad thing is they were starting to point towards a place that all human beings, and doesn't matter what dysfunction, if you're male, you can be a father, and it's actually taking out religion out of the whole thing to almost justify that the family structure is the reason why there's so much fatherlessness. That's how far the world is going. And trying to justify dysfunctional relationships, confusion, gender confusion, all these kind of things. Try to justify those things to fill the gap. Why? Because without this, we can talk about fathering, which I'm not going to do this morning. I'm trying to lay a foundation to understand what we need. We need Jesus' prayer. What did Jesus pray? Our Father who are in heaven. Not an earthly father. He's not a normal father. He's not like our fathers. He's not like me. He's not like you. He does not live within the boundaries and the limitations of time and space. Even what we project on him, he is not that. Even whatever you may believe about him, he is not that. He's way beyond what you and I can perceive, way beyond what you and I can believe and experience. It is God the Father in heaven. And as we ascribe to him, as we submit to him, as we seek him, and we allow him to father us, something happens in our lives that changes our lives. Who is God to you? Who is God the Father to you? You experience him as absent? You experience him terrifying? That he's this judge sitting on the seat and he's just waiting for you to make a mistake? If you, go, if you become quiet and you think through it, you most probably are projecting something of your past upon God. And your view of God is the glasses of earth that you put on and you look at God through these glasses and because of that, you struggle with your relationship with him would you be open, say, Lord, would you change my glasses? Would you change my perspective? Would you give me godly ability to see and understand who you are? See, our earthly fathers, their presence or their absence deeply affects how we see the heavenly father until he heals us, until he touches us. We live in a fatherless world, but we live in a world that also does not want to embrace the presence of fathering. If you look at politicians and you look at all the things happening in our nation, you know, there's something when a father comes home, there is love and there's security that comes with it. But part of that is also godly order. There's discipline. There is restoration. There's a lot of things that the fathers bring into something. If you look at church leadership, there's a huge difference between leadership and fathering. 
You can be a great leader, but a bad father. You can lead with principles, but miss people's hearts. God has not called us just to be leaders. God has called us to be fathering leaders. See, leaders have a vision. Fathers have people. Leadership in the, world, in the church world, and so much so in the family, is much more than just leadership. It's relationship. It's caring. It's restoring. It's actually representing something bigger than ourselves. Dads, you represent something bigger than yourself. You represent something bigger than your name. You represent something bigger than your business. You represent the Father in heaven. Being fatherless is not deserved, and it's not good. It's wrong. Staying fatherless is a choice. Being fatherless was not your choice. Staying fatherless is your choice. There is a father available to you, no matter where you live, no matter your background. There is a father available to you. As fathers, myself included, we all have failed. And we all live with human limitations and vulnerabilities. But thank God, we as fathers, you as a father, you also have a father. You also have a father that not just you can model and see who he is, but you can also allow him to restore what you did not have as a child. Because many times we reproduce what we have grown up in. But the Father can change that. Earthly fathers will make mistakes and disappoint people. I have. But there's a gracious, forgiving Father that not only forgives us, but He shows us how we can live. God never gave us earthly fathers to replace Him. You say, oh, but I needed to have the perfect father before I can have a relationship with the father. No, God never gave us earthly fathers to replace the heavenly father. He gave us earthly fathers to represent the, earthly fa- the heavenly father. There's no replacement. He is still the father above everything else. We're going to look this morning into four aspects and from Ephesians 3, the role of a father, but we're going to look primarily at the role of the heavenly father in our lives. There's four things that happens. It could be more. We're going to focus on four things. Identity. Identity. Ability. Security and legacy. Our identity is deeply dependent on our relationship with the Father. And so is our ability, security, and legacy. Let's read from Ephesians 3 verse 14 to 15. Paul comes and he says, For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Let's start. He says, For this reason. For what reason? When Paul says, For this reason, it's important that we go back to the previous passages and go and just see what reason. Here's the reason that Paul says in verse 6. The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was made a minister. 
What is Paul saying? He says, for this reason. What reason? He says, for this reason that there's a heavenly father that is inclusive. He's not just of one tribe and one this. He's not just for the Israelites or the Palestinians. He is for both. He's not just the God of Jews. He's the God of Gentiles. He's not just the God of this family. He's the God of families. He's not just the God of your life. He's the God of your life. He is an all-inclusive relational God. For this reason, Paul specifically says, I reached out to the Gentiles, which was against the culture back in the days, because this God belongs to the Jews. The moment you and I make God exclusive from other people, you are missing God. That is not God. The moment you start to isolate, the moment you start to uplift earthly things, earthly communities, earthly tribes, earthly ethnic groups above the other, you are missing the gospel of Jesus Christ. He did not die for a tribe. He died that so every knee shall bow before him. The moment we create something that raises one ethnic group above another, see, what does the Father do? He represents the heart. Paul says, the heart of the Father is a Father who cares about everybody, young, old, and doesn't matter where they come from, doesn't matter their ethnic background, doesn't matter their pain, their sin is a Father. He cares about the down and out. He cares about the rich and the poor. He says, to this God, I bow my knee before the Father. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying that for you and I to experience this incredible God, because even as we preach, every message you will hear from us, every message you'll listen on podcast, everything, when you read your Bible, something in your soul needs to say, I agree or I don't. What is Paul saying? He says, before you can allow the Father's effect on your life, Humility is required. Bow your knee. Bow before him. Fathering is available. Pride will keep it away. Fathering is available. There's a father available. All it requires of you, bow your knee. How many of us, we grow up in society where we have to stand up and try to make more of ourselves and we have to kind of an image of ourselves and we kind of flick our cards and we flick our, you know, kind of, you know, I've achieved this and we do name drop why? Because the insecurity in our soul makes us that we cannot be vulnerable. We can't just be real. Paul says, I bow my knee to this father. To know the father is to be defined by the father. It requires humility. For us to be fathered and for us to father, humility is at the core of that. From whom every family in heaven and earth is named. Every family in the context of the scripture, he's talking about those born again on earth and those already who've passed away who are in heaven. Everybody who's bowed down to this father has their origin in the Father. He defines, he gives name. If you say, what is your name? Your name carries a lot of stuff. If I use somebody's name, then you'll say, oh, that guy, oh yeah, he's friendly, he's this, and a lot of other names suddenly come to fall when I mention a name. Your name is not just your name, your name is carrying a lot of names. Are they good? Are they bad? 
See, when you think about the Father, he says every name, he names us, he gives us a name. And the more you and I relate with this Father, he changes our history, he changes the bad and turns it into the good. He gives us identity. We battle with a world that has no identity. The identity crisis is an internal, unresolved conflict, constant conflict, causing uncertainty of who you are, why you exist, and where do you fit in. That results in a constant relational tension and personal insecurities. The lack of identity, not knowing who I am, and see, the enemy wants to come into people's lives, into children's lives at a young age and make them uncertain. Why are you here? What are you doing? Who made you? And do you have a purpose? And only the father can say, I made you. No, you were not just your mommy and daddy's idea. You were God's idea. There's something about God, the father, that defines, that gives us and restores us. See, symptoms of identity crisis is a low self-esteem question about your value and your worth. Are you worth it? Are you, do you have any value inside of you? See, if you know that you are valuable, you will not sell yourself cheap. You will not sell yourself cheap in business. You will not sell yourself cheap in relationship. Why? Because the lack of value makes people cheap. And you are not cheap. You were bought at a price Human beings, every face of the, every human being on the face of the earth has a value tag on them. And that value tag is not their culture. It's not their race. It's not their ethnicity. It's not their age. It's not their gender. It's God the Father that defines the human race. Whenever you and I devalue people, we're working against the Father. The Father's heart for humans. Another sign is feeling lost, lost or aimless not feeling a sense of purpose, emotional scattered or fragmented, increasing feelings of insecurity, anxiety and depression. These are all signs. Question is, who are you? Galatians 4 verse 6 says to us, and I want you, before I read the scripture, I want you to understand quite a few passages in the word of God it's not gender-based. It is principle-based. If you are the bride of Christ, some men are raising their hands here. <laughs> See, it's not gender-based. We are the bride of Christ. In the same year, he says, because you are sons, God has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. There's something about Abba Father that settles inside of us. And next year, we're going to do a series on sonship. And the opposite of sonship is not daughtership. The opposite of sonship is hireling, slave, and orphan. And when he help you to understand, when you understand sonship and you come in a place where you can run to your dad and you say, Abba, Father, and you allow him to define you, allow him to give you identity and you identify with him, some of the things of the world become dim because you see through different lenses. What you many times are looking for in, on the earth, you will never find until you look into the eyes of your father and you can say, Abba, Father, it says, because then you will no longer be a slave, but sons. And since you are sons, God has made you also 
and heir. There's a deep well of inheritance that the Father has for each one of you. God the Father is the identity builder and restorer. The second point is ability. The Father enables his sons. He's not, he does not just give us identity. He strengthens us inside and in our inner being with the ability to live out this identity. See, the world will pressure you. Sometimes parents pressure children. They must perform because you never played rugby, so your son must play top rugby, but you never played rugby. I mean, there's so many things we place on children and that pressure causes something in their soul. And then you reflect that on the father. He does not do the same. Ephesians 3 verse 16 to 17 continues that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He's talking about the riches of his glory. God is the all-sufficient one. He is the father that is the ultimate perfection of perfection. He's the complete perfectionist, perfection of fathering of what it is. The father says, I have complete ability. I lack nothing. Come to me as your father. He says, I will strengthen you through the spirit. You will receive, I will receive his ability at work in me. The inner being in your soul, the way that conflict is, who am I? What am I doing here? That inner conflict. See, when the father penetrates your inner being, he brings peace into your conflict. Your solution is not an external, your problem is not an external solution. Because the moment I look at external solutions, I'm gonna go to the church, oh, they don't do it. I'm gonna go to this human being, they don't do it. This company don't do it. The government don't do it. And we keep on looking for peace on the inside. You will never find peace from the outside. Christianity is not an outside-in gospel. It's an inside-out gospel. What happens on the inside flows out. It's not what you seek on the outside that comes in. It says on your inner being, I'll bring peace in a restless world. I'll settle your soul. I'll make you secure. He restores that deep sense of loss and loneliness through a revelation of who he is that is present. Christ dwelling in your hearts. It's not about dwelling in your mind. It's not dwelling in your home. It's not dwelling in our nation. Lord, come into our nation. No, Lord, come into our hearts. The more we have a people who are not controlled by Jesus Christ, the more we need external policing. You don't liberate a nation through external force. You liberate a nation by putting the Lordship of Jesus Christ on every human being's heart so they're internally controlled. The church is more to blame than the government. The church is more to blame than the government. It's putting Jesus Christ on the soul of people that you and I live with godly restraint and that we allow fathering in our lives and that we're no more reckless like the world out there. We live different. We make different decisions. Why? Because we have a father in our lives that defines us. We have a father in life that secures us and we serve him because he's our father. He dwells in our hearts. Jesus' presence fills the gap of loneliness and emptiness. 
It's He Himself. The fullness of Him fills the emptiness of me. The fullness of Him fills that loneliness in me. Every one of us moments of loneliness. Why don't you take a moment before you think, let me do that, let me do this. A lot of substance abuse come from loneliness, emptiness. A lot of sin is because of something I need as an emptiness. Friends, if we fill ourselves constantly, Lord, I'm empty. And you recognize that, Father, would you love upon me? And you allow your emptiness and your loneliness to be filled by the Father. It will restrain us. The fear of God holds us from sinning. There's something beautiful about the relationship with God, the Father. It says through faith. Faith is the inner trust in God that he is able and he is just and he's willing to help me and you. See, our strength is not our own strength. It's not our own power. Our own power can become a weakness. Confidence can easily turn into arrogance. Humility can easily turn into timidity. Patience can easily become passivity. Faith can easily become presumption. Enthusiasm can easily become impatience. Mercy can easily become a Jesus syndrome, false burden. Strength can turn into a weakness apart from the Father. We are deeply dependent on the Father, not our ability. It's His ability through the Holy Spirit at work in us to fill us with Him. The third foundation we see from God the Father is security. Move you've got life insurance. Move you've got car insurance. Insurance is a big business. Why? We live in an insecure world. We try to secure ourselves. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying you spend a lot of money trying to be secure. Imagine you spend that same money and that same time, same effort, just to find also your security in God. Because although you have all the insurance in the world, you will still not be secure till the Father secures your heart. Insecurity is a major underestimated enemy in human beings' hearts. Leaders control because they're insecure. Parents do things because they're insecure. Human beings do things because they're insecure. Unless God fills that insecurity, we will all keep on making the same mistakes. What are signs and symptoms of insecurity? It's people who are over-concerned about titles and position. I am this. Why you want to overemphasize it? Because I hope through my title or my position I get acceptance. Why do we overemphasize our success? Why do we overemphasize things? Because of insecurity. Another symptom is oversensitivity, easily offended. Why did you not greet me? Uh, because I didn't see you. It's really just, I walked in, I was thinking about my sermon, I was not thinking about you. <laughs> I'm trying to greet you. You see, insecurity reads into everything something. And then you live in the bondage and the person that you read it into didn't even know. Insecurity is an internal problem. It's not an external solution. It's something on the inside of our soul that we can find a solution. And the answer is the Father. An exaggerated sense of importance. When you walk into a room, everybody must notice you are there. You're just another human being. That actually has the same way you go to get tired, you need to eat, you go to bed. You are just another human being with feet of clay. There's nobody more important. Doesn't matter what you've won and what you've achieved, you're a human being. 
in need of Jesus and nothing more important. The moment we idolize people, why would we idolize them? Because the insecurity inside of us wants to become effective and successful through association. And that's why you find many people see themselves successful through associating with something successful while they don't participate themselves in making something successful. Church is not a passenger ship. It's a warship where a lot of families are together. It's a family warship. It's participating. Self-centeredness, dishonesty, habitual sin and lawlessness, these are all signs. What is the answer? Verse 17, Ephesians 3, that you being rooted and grounded in love, the love of the Father, may be strengthened to comprehend of all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all and surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What is he saying? Man, Paul goes right down here. He says, you know what? That gap inside of our soul, every time you feel insecure, run to the Father and say, Father, do you still love me? All that you need, all that I need on a daily basis, I need to hear the heavenly Father tell me, Philip, I love you. Don't go and look for that in the world. See, when we look for it in the world, we become takers. When we find it in Christ and he fills us, we go into the world and we become givers. Because the world is empty and the world is fatherless. Not so with us because we have a heavenly father that surpasses our earthly fathers. There's something about the beauty of being grounded. It's is strengthened to comprehend, comprehendo. Come to the place of deep conviction and understanding that your whole life is being ambushed into a place where you realize who God is. And because you have this depth, height, breadth, kind of length, deep understanding of God, the love of Christ changes how you and I think and operate. It fills us with the fullness of himself. For the lonely, he does not replace him with something else. He makes himself present in your life. How's that for a God who's present? How's that for a God who's involved? Our emptiness and loneliness is filled with God's fullness. Seek it daily. You have a privilege and an opportunity the Father wants to be ever-present in your life, no matter your background. None of you are disqualified. None of you don't have the right value or the right... All of that are earthly limitations that you started to believe, but it's not the Father who put it in you. He wants to be fully present in your life. You see, with this fullness of Christ, you think about God's love that fills us. He settles our identity he fills us with his ability. And part of that, he makes us secure in him. And I'm not saying this is a one-day experience and then you're shoved. No, this is daily wake up in the morning, look into the mirror and says, God, are we good? God, how do you feel about me? Lord, these guys said this. What do you say? Always run to the Father when the world defines you. Go to the one who defines you, the final voice. You always will be defined by the highest authority in your life. If it's not God, then who is it? Let God define you. Run to him. 
You see, because all of this leads to the last point. It gives us a legacy. Verse 20. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. You not even asked him. He already knows. According to the power at work within us. All he's saying, let me in. Allow me as Father to penetrate your deepest thoughts, your deepest weaknesses. Oh, Lord, I can't let you into that dark room. Let him into that dark room. He's okay with it. He's the only one who can heal it, restore it. Let me in. And from the point he says, to him be the glory. Him alone. Nobody else. In the church and in Christ Jesus and then he says, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Through all generations. See, he's not just the father of Abram. He's the father of Isaac. He's the father of Jacob. I am, that is my name, from one generation to the next forever. Yeah, we're back with the Forever. His name is Father. He cares about generation upon generation. Oh, but what will happen when your children grow up and you're no longer here? It all depends if you introduce them to the Father while you're here. Because when you're no longer here and they have the Father, they will be okay. Because as much as you are as an earthly father needs to be present, the greatest thing you as an earthly father and mother can do is make sure your children get to know the heavenly father because he is the God of generations. My dad, thank God for him. From a young child, he introduced me to God the father. He showed me who God the father was. He pointed us to the father. Many times when we ran to him, and we kind of, daddy, daddy, you need to help me. Sometimes he helped us. Sometimes he said, the best thing I can do for you now, you have to go to the father. Dads, sometimes you must not help. You need to help them get them to the father because when they start to learn how to trust the father, they will be okay. The earthly things we give our children does not always help. Give them the Father. Give them God. Give them a foundation how to trust God, how to walk with God. And if you lay that foundation, once you are no longer there, when they get married, when they move, they will be okay. We hear from so many people who move, and later on in life, they just become totally leaving everything, leaving their faith. We are responsible to lay the foundation of people's lives. Our legacy is deeply dependent on our humility to allow the Father to define us, build our identity, and to ground us in His love. Legacy is not what you take with you. Legacy is what you leave behind when you're no longer here. That's one of the reasons I believe in discipleship. It empowers other people, not just the pulpit and not just the man. It empowers every one of you. And as you disciple people, it empowers them. And empowers them. That's a biblical principle. It's not just a good idea. All generations. We need to live with, in mind with all generations in front of us. Children's children, my children, their children. How do they live? See, friends, our security and our insecurity is transferable. If as a dad I keep on living insecure, I'll raise up insecure children unless God heals them. So much so you can live with security. And the faith in God, when things happen, we put our faith in Christ. Christ. 
Let me conclude. Well-known scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. Dads, moms, every person here, God loves you. It sounds like a cliche. It sounds like a Christian thing. But it's at the core of our existence is we need to be loved. Because when we don't find our love in Christ, we're going to find it in everything else but Christ. Idolatry is basically this. Serve and worship anything else but God. Singular. For God so loved you in the midst of a dysfunctional world. He wants to fill your loneliness with his presence. He wants to heal your pain so that you have a better perspective of who he is. All that we all need, we need a heavenly father who daily helps us. You could be 50, 60 years old today, you could be 20. It makes no difference. We need the heavenly father. We need a father, not just an absent God, a present father in our lives. He's here. He enables us. When we started off, what emotion came to mind when we spoke about fathers? Some of you fathers sit here and say, Phil, I missed it. So did I. You don't have to walk with regret. You don't have to keep on walking with shame and guilt. This morning, you can say, Lord, I'm going to let this go. Why? Because it's not just your past mistakes that becomes the issue, but your past mistakes keep you in dysfunction that you can't live better, that you can't live what God's called you. You have to deal with the past so that from today on, you can start to live different. Some of you sitting here, Phil, you don't know. I didn't have a father. Would you allow the father today? If you say, I didn't have a father, maybe your father's alive. But there, there's this pain, this rejection. There was things happening in your relationship with your dad. Would you be willing to forgive? Because the heavenly father wants to father us, but forgiveness is essential. Many of us have good fathers, and we look back as, Lord, is so good. Say thank you. Lord, would you help me to be responsible so I can live like a father on earth? Care about the unchurched and the unsaved. That's fathering. The way we treat people has to do how we see them. May God change our perspective. Let's close our eyes. As you're sitting there and you know this, maybe as dads, regret and say, Lord, I missed it here, there. God doesn't want you to live with guilt. Conviction means God shows you, you ask his forgiveness, and freely he forgives. He's a father. Would you come to him now as a father and say, Lord, forgive me. Maybe I've misrepresented you as father. Don't walk out this morning with that guilt and shame. God wants to heal that. As you needed fathering, would you forgive your earthly father and say, Heavenly Father, you my father. Would you father me?
whatever if this sermon is applicable to your life, would you just take a moment and just pray? Allow the Holy Spirit to touch your soul, to make you secure. Spirit, you are the one the Father says that is at work in our inner being, showing us the Father. You touch us this morning. You can feel this, maybe some wives who says, almost like a little, little bit of regret and when you look at husband or the dad of your children say why this what's missing would you be willing to forgive whatever stand between you and the father would you let go of that to embrace the father now heavenly father I pray would you help us to comprehend Will you help us to come to the deep discovery, the width, the depth, the Father, just the height of who you are. Fill us. Just embrace that what God is doing right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Fill your people, your presence. Peace of God. The peace of God fills your hearts. I speak stillness into your storms. I speak healing into your past. Healing. You don't have to live with fear about tomorrow. Put your faith in God. Lord, I thank you. By faith we shall live trust you that tomorrow you will walk with us as we journey this through. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you still need to pray, please come to us afterwards. We would love to continue praying with you. I know this message like this is not a once quick fix. But I want to encourage you, get into small groups. Take your Bible and read your word. And as you read the word, allow people around you that speak positive, that helps to build you up. Get the right people in your life that speaks God's words to you, not people who break you down. People who lift you up, people who speak God's word to you. At the info table, there's a biblical confession booklet. If you really know God, touch you. Go and buy that booklet. There's scriptures that you can pray over identity and security and things that you pray scripture over your life, that you fill the gap inside with scripture. This is something we have to walk out. It's not just a quick fix. Why not? Because God is a character God. He works with us. It's not always just a quick fix. It's that character that we form to walk with Him. God bless you. And that concludes today's message. For more information, visit our website at everynationswane.org forward slash moikluf. That's everynationswane.org forward slash moikluf. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 
Till next time then. Bye.